بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى جميع إخوانه من النبيين والمرسلين وآل كل وصحب كل ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا All praise is due to Allah and may Allah raise the rank of Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and protect his nation from that which he fears for them. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to increase our knowledge and benefit us with the knowledge we have acquired. Ameen. We are still talking about the sins of the body. We talked about many of them and in our lesson insha'Allah Azza wa Jal will continue talking about some other sins of the body. We did mention that they are categorized under the sins of the body because they can be committed by different parts of one's body, not only one organ or one part. The scholars would put under the category of the sins of the hands, the sins committed by one's hands. Under the sins of the eyes, the sins committed by the eyes. Then they put under the sins of the body, those sins that are committed by different parts of body parts. So more than one organ would be involved in that sin. Amongst the sins of the body is to sit with an innovator of misguidance or committer of enormous sins. To entertain one in one's sinning. The people of misguidance are those who deviated from the right path. They left the creed of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah and they followed a misguided path. Like in the past, there were some groups who deviated from the path of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, like Al Mu'tazila, Al Qadariya those who denied the destiny of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the extent that Imam Malik radiallahu anhu was asked about one, like a lady, can she marry someone from the Qadariya and Mu'tazila, those who believe in such beliefs, and his response to the question was a verse from the Quran that says, Wala abdum mu'min khayrum min mushrik. You'd rather look for a believer, not the one who associates partners with Allah the mushrik, meaning those you cannot marry anyone from them because of their false belief. 
Although those Qadariya Mu'tazila, they denied Al-Qadr, they even used to say that the slave creates his own actions, walayyazu billah. So they associated partners with Allah by believing as such. So those Mu'tazila and Qadariya, Imam Malik radiallahu anhu, instructed that a lady should not marry any of them because of their false belief. Also the scholars warned against sitting with them. So when they talk and they are saying something against the religion, one should not sit in the circles because they will be encouraged to continue propagating the false beliefs. That's why the scholars warned against this. So to sit with someone who holds a false belief in his heart, to encourage him to continue talking about these false beliefs, one is not allowed in such a case. Also, you cannot sit with someone who is committing a major sin, like the one who is drinking alcohol, to entertain him. Some people would be sitting and they want someone to sit with them so he can entertain them. Then as that one is sitting, they keep on drinking alcohol. Because in a way, they are encouraging him by entertaining him to drink alcohol. That's haram. Also from the sins of the body is for a man to wear gold silver, silk, all what is mostly silk, such as two-thirds of its weight is silk, with the exception of a silver ring, because the Prophet ﷺ wore a silver ring. So for a man, he is not allowed to wear any jewelry, whether it is gold or silver. He is not allowed to wear silk, the clothes that are made of silk. He is not allowed to wear them as well. With the exception we mentioned of a silver ring, because the Prophet ﷺ used to wear a silver ring and he had printed on it Muhammadur Rasulullah. And he used to use it as a stamp as well. So when they write a letter to those kings at that time, he used to stamp it with his ring, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Engraved on it is Muhammadur Rasulullah. So that's the only exemption. But for men to wear bracelets, necklaces and the like made of silver, he is not allowed to. Because jewelry is for ladies in the first place. But that was an exemption. Also, the scholar said, if a man were to wear gold, that breaks the heart of uh, the poor people. When poor people look at someone who is wearing gold and the like, and they can't find what would uh, suffice them regarding food and the like, yeah, that will break their hearts. And also, wearing the silk does not befit his position as being a man. So, because that's also known for uh, ladies. 
silk, the Prophet وسلم, said, those two things, gold and silk, are permissible for the ladies of my nation and are prohibited for the males. In this life, the man is not allowed to wear that, but in paradise, there are gold, silver, and silk that's uh, in paradise as a kind of enjoyment. Now, what about what some people would ask, can I let my child wear, for instance, gold and silver, as many would do these days? The scholars held two different uh, opinions regarding this. Some said, no, you don't let your child, the, the male, to wear gold, even he is not pubescent yet, so he's not accountable, he's not sinful as a child, but his guardian, can he let that child, the male, wear gold and silver? The scholars held two different opinions regarding this matter. Also amongst the sins of the body is to be alone, they call this khalwa, with a marriageable woman, without the presence of a third person, male or female, in front of whom one would be shy to do an indecent act. So if there is a child, let us say baby, one year old, two year old, three, four, that's not sufficient. But if he is maybe like eight, nine, and they would feel shy to do any indecent act in his presence, then that would be enough and sufficient. That would be enough and sufficient. Also, the scholars, for instance, mentioned examples about these cases of khalwa. And that is based on a hadith. The Prophet said, one should not visit a lady whose husband is absent without having another person with him, like a man or two. And this hadith shows clearly that the minimum that would prevent such a case to occur, which is khalwa, is someone to have someone else with him, another man or two, in order for that khalwa not to take place. And when the scholars talk about the one in front or in his presence, one would be shy, yeah, that means if someone is blind, that's not sufficient. Someone in whose presence they would feel shy of doing any indecent act. So a blind person is not sufficient. A little child, three, four, five, that's not sufficient. That's the rule. And uh, the scholars even mentioned about the mosque. Would there be a khalwa in a mosque? It could be a khalwa in a mosque. So if there is a mosque, it's open, 
and a man went inside and a woman went inside they are by themselves we look at the time if it's at a time what it's expected that anyone at any time would go in then it's not classified as forbidden khalwa but if it was at a time where usually it's not expected for someone to come in at that time then it is classified as khalwa as well it's classified as khalwa it's very important for one to prevent himself from being in such a situation because the prophet mentioned that the devil will work on them when they are in khalwa he works on them when they are in khalwa to make them fall in a major sin which is fornication or adultery so once they are in khalwa the devil is stronger on them that's why uh, one should not put himself in such a situation also amongst the sins of the body is for a woman to travel without an unmarriageable male or a husband to a distance to a distance that is classified islamically conventionally as a travel safar it doesn't have to be a distance where one is allowed to shorten the four cycle prayer to two doesn't have to be that far because that distance is about 48 islamic miles so you're talking about according to one saying about 47 kilometers after leaving the boundaries of hometown according to another saying it's about 80 something kilometers it doesn't have to be that far so even 20 even 20 even 15 from leaving the borders of the hometown what is classified as a travel she is not allowed to travel by herself without a mahram mahram meaning like brother father uncle uh, or a husband the prophet وسلم, in the hadith mentioned once that a lady is not allowed to travel by herself a distance of three day walking in another hadith he mentioned two days in another hadith he mentioned one day in another hadith he mentioned half a day so when the prophet gave all these examples he's telling us she is not allowed to travel any kind of travel as long as it is classified as a travel even if it's not that long without a mahram unless there is a necessity for her travel such as to go to perform hajj and umrah that is obligatory upon her according to imam shafi'i radiallahu anhu uh, for the first time to perform hajj and umrah she can go by herself if she couldn't find a mahram or husband to go with her also if she were to leave her town because she wants to learn the obligatory knowledge so she wants to uh, travel to another place 
where she can acquire the knowledge of the religion and in her area, in her town, there is no one to teach her the obligatory knowledge. Then that would be classified as a reason, a necessity for her travel. But to go with her friends, that's not a necessity. To go, what they call it, for a holiday, that's not a necessity. She, let us say, wants to visit her auntie, that's not a necessity. She would wait until she finds a mahram or husband to go with her. Also amongst the sins of the body is to coerce a free person. Coerce meaning to force him. To force a free person to do a certain job without one's free will. Let us say he has power, authority, he would bring someone, a free person, he would use him as a slave, he would use him as a slave and he assigns tasks to him to do them without his own free will, that's haram. Also amongst the sins of the body is to have enmity with the awliya, the highly righteous Muslims. To have enmity with them, that's a major sin. Allah Ta'ala said in the Qudusi hadith, مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ Meaning such a person will be falling into a major sin for taking that righteous wali as an enemy. He is under a great danger to be tortured in the hereafter for taking this wali as an enemy. Because those awliya are highly honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those awliya, those righteous are highly honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take him as enemies and they are accepted by Allah azza wa jal they are highly accepted, highly honored by Allah azza wa jal Allah threatened the one who takes them as enemies with a torture they mention a story about someone who used to talk about one of those awliya in the past he used to uh, talk about him in a bad way when he died and they were preparing him for washing so they put his body on like a platform so they can wash him his tongue dangled out in a very ugly way then something that looked like a cat but it's not a normal cat came quickly and ate the tongue of that person and ran away with it Allah showed them Allah shows them the consequences of the one who takes the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the righteous as enemies, wal'iyazu billahi ta'ala. Also it was mentioned that once someone was cursing Imam Ali radiallahu anhu, was swearing at him. It happened, it was in a place in Medina, al-Madina al-Munawwara. That place they call it Ahjaru Zayt. 
people were gathered around this person and he was swearing at Imam Ali then Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas Sa'ad is one of the ten who received the good tidings from the Prophet to be in paradise happened to be there and he asked why these people are gathered around this person they told him he is swearing at Ali ibn Abi Talib he got very angry and Sa'ad was known for his dua being fulfilled by Allah. Whenever he makes dua, Allah fulfills his dua, supplication. The Prophet made dua for him that whenever he supplicates Allah, his dua will be fulfilled. So Sa'ad told them to give him way. He came straight to that person. He was on his horse and the like or camel, whatever. Then Sa'ad said to him, why you are swearing at Imam Ali radiallahu anhu? Don't you know that he was the first to become Muslim from those young ones? He was the first to become Muslim. Don't you know that he is the most knowledgeable of this nation? Don't you know that the Prophet gave his daughter Fatima in marriage to Imam Ali radiallahu anhu? Don't you know that he was very humble? Don't you know, don't you know, he started counting the merits of Imam Ali radiallahu anhu. Then he raised his hands and he said, Oh Allah, I ask you not to let these people leave this session before showing them one of the signs of your power in this person. As he finished his words, that person fell off his camel or horse he was riding and his head was split in half and he died instantly. And those awliya like Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali are the best awliya, not only in this nation, the best awliya amongst all human beings. So because he took this wali as an enemy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed them a sign of his power in that person who was swearing at him. So to take a wali, a righteous Muslim as an enemy, that's a major sin. Also amongst the sins of the body is to help others to sin. So as it's haram for you to commit this sin, it's haram for you to help someone else committing this sin. That's why the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith, when he cursed the one who drinks alcohol, he also cursed the one who facilitates for him to drink alcohol. The Prophet cursed the one who sells alcohol the one who buys alcohol, the one who squeezes grapes to make them alcohol, the one who carries the alcohol to the one who would drink it, and so on. So anyone who participates in a way to help someone commit a sin, he is sinful. Helping someone committing a sin is sinful in itself. Helping someone to commit blasphemy is blasphemous. You are a builder. You are building a house. Then someone tells you, I want you to build a bar for me here because I want to put the alcohol bottles in this bar. You don't help him. It's haram. So if you help someone commit a sin, that's a sin. If you help someone commit blasphemy, that's blasphemous. You do not compromise your religion for the sake of others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran 
وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا Even if your parents were to tell you to commit shirk, to associate partners with Allah, to worship others than Allah, you'd never obey them. وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا However, you treat them kindly in this world. You treat them kindly, but you do not obey them. You do not obey them in what is sinful. You obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, there is no obedience due to any creation in disobeying the Creator. So even if your friend were to tell you, take me to that place, I want to do one, two, three, which is haram, you don't help her. If we were to apply all these rules, we will be encouraging one another to be more obedient. But since people unfortunately are not seeing such kind of firm stances against these matters, unfortunately you see people indulging more in sinning. And now, subhanAllah, because many people stopped bidding the lawful and forbidding the unlawful, we've seen all these calamities befalling us. Look, this uh, disease now, they call it COVID-19, how many people got affected by it? From Muslims in Muslim countries, many. Mosques were closed. And people died. People got sick. People lost their jobs. In general, so it affected everyone. Muslims and non-Muslims. In Islamic countries, they were also influenced and affected by it. So this kind of disease that befell upon all of us, and we all suffered from it, yeah, we need to rethink about and reevaluate what we have done wrong in our life. Because the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith that when sins prevail, spread, and people do not bother to tell the one who's committing the sin, this is haram, don't do it, stop it, let them expect very soon a calamity or hardship that would befall them. When it befalls them, it's not going to exclude the one who was not committing that sin, because in a way, he took part in this manner by remaining silent. Imagine a friend who's taken or started or thinking of taking drugs. And that's your very close friend. When you hear about him thinking of taking drugs, you do not just ignore him or remain silent. You tell him, fear Allah. You'll destroy yourself. You'll become addicted. Your life will be ruined. Your parents did not raise you for such a reason. Even if you were to reach a stage where you're going to tell him, 
If you insist, you are not my friend anymore. Even to that extent, if you think that will work, do it. Even if you have a relative, and that relative, let us say, is committing a sin constantly. So even if she's your cousin, even if she is closer than cousin, could be a brother, a sister, and they want to do something haram and they're not listening, you are allowed Islamically to tell them, if you're not going to stop, we're going to stop talking to you. You don't talk to me until you stop that sin. So you inform them about that sin, then you can sever ties with them after you inform them. Not you sever ties with them when you have a dispute about a worldly matter. Now you find some people, even could be brothers and cousins, if they have an issue around a girl, for instance, or this one proposed to this girl, then it didn't work. You find in many cases, the brothers stop talking to each other. Cousins stop talking to each other for these matters. But when they witness someone committing haram, they go and visit him. He's indulged in playing with the dice, with playing cards and the like. They don't even bother to tell him this is haram. Rather, they would have like a gathering at night and they keep talking, discussing with them issues. And those people will feel entertained. And we explained that before. You are not allowed to entertain them when they are committing the haram. Rather, you tell them, don't do this in my presence. If they say, go and sit down with us, he would say to them, if you want to continue, I'm going to leave the session. Why would you sit in such a place? Now, would you enjoy sitting next to a sewer, for instance, and the smell is coming out on you? It's an ugly smell. How do you feel when you are sitting next to it? Enjoy it? What about the sins that are very ugly? Why would you sit next to someone who is committing sins, committing something ugly? He is disobeying the Creator, who is able to destroy him and you. Why would you put yourself in such a situation? Now, if someone is having the, what do you call it, coronavirus, they say, they put him in quarantine. Don't mix with your parents. Don't mix with your brothers and sisters or cousins. Look what they're doing now. Big issue about it. Sins are worse. And they talk about social distancing. Yes, we encourage social distancing from those who are committing sins. You should have that kind of social distancing. For the sake of your religion, if they're not going to listen. But first, try to advise them. Try to guide them to do what is accepted by Allah Azza wa Jal. But if they insist to do the haram, leave them. Say, I don't want to be in such a session. And some people, subhanAllah, when they have visitors, and those visitors start gossiping people, or committing other sins in their house, they say, 
Uh, we didn't know what to say to them. Uh, we didn't want to embarrass that person. He didn't care about disobeying Allah in your house. He didn't respect you. He didn't respect you. He disobeyed Allah, committed that sin. He contaminated your house. And you say, I feel shy to tell him or embarrassed. How can I approach him? Imagine someone bringing filthy nature substance in a bucket and he's coming to visit you and he says, I want to throw him into, in your house, in the lounge. You feel embarrassed to tell him, no, I won't let you. No, you tell him. You don't let them do that. How could you let that your house is a place for disobeying Allah Azza And you need a blessing in your house. You need a blessing in your house, not sins. That's why train yourself to be firm when it comes to matters of religion. Do not compromise your religion for the sake of anyone. Even if he is very close, relative, or friend, never do that. Also amongst the sins of the body is to circulate counterfeit money, like fake money. In the past, they used to have dinar and dirham. Dinar made of gold, dirham made of silver. And some people used to have copper and put a layer of gold on it, and they use it as dinar but it's fake counterfeit money the one who knows that this is fake money he cannot help in any way to circulate that counterfeit money also amongst the sins of the body is to use and to obtain golden and silver utensils such as to eat and drink with them like spoons forks knives made of gold and silver that is haram also it's haram to obtain golden and silver utensils even without the intent of using them so if you have as they say a bad habit of having collection of these things so you're buying these utensils made of gold and silver plates cups forks spoons just because you want to put him in your house for decoration, but you are not going to use them. You are not going to use them that is still forbidden. Also amongst the sins of the body is to neglect an obligation, such as not praying. To do an obligation leaving out one of its integrals because it will be invalid in that case, such as to pray a prayer without fulfilling all the integrals will be invalid or any of its conditions such as to pray without wudu or to intentionally commit an invalidator while performing an obligation also amongst the sins of the body is to leave out the friday prayer when it is one's obligation even if one were to pray zuhr instead because praying the Friday prayer on every accountable male with the rest of the conditions we mentioned before, upon whom it is an obligation. So the one who is obligated to perform the Friday prayer must pray it. 
and uh, the Prophet وسلم, warned against those who neglect performing the Friday prayer without a valid reason. So when one is obligated to pray the Friday prayer, if he were to leave it out without a valid reason, he is sinful, a major sin. Even if he were to say, but I will pray, I will pray zuhur instead. That's not sufficient. That's not sufficient. That will not save him from falling into the sin. Also for the inhabitants of a place to leave out the obligatory prayers in congregation, the five obligatory prayers. In every area, there should be a place where Muslims in that area are able to perform the five obligatory prayers in congregation. They should have an easy access. That's why in the past they would have in a town more than one place for the congregational prayers. And those usually in every suburb, in every parameter of land where they have easy access to perform the five obligatory prayers in congregation, they would make a congregational prayer there. But for Friday prayer, they used to go to that big mosque in the town. So even if, let us say, there is a town, let us say it's a very small town, and there is one mosque in it. And those people in that town need to pray, those who are addressed with it. So not ladies, ladies are not addressed to pray the congregational prayer at the mosque and the children are not addressed, and so on. We talked about them before. We're talking about those who are addressed with this obligation, which is a communal obligation. So if, let us say, few people go to the mosque and pray each prayer in congregation, then the rest living in that town are not sinful, in that small town. But if they all were to neglect her, the mosque will be empty, everyone is praying at home, yeah, then all of those who are addressed with this obligation will be sinful in that case. Also, to defer one's obligation until its time is over without an excuse. That applies to prayer and applies to other than prayer like zakah. The prayer, if let us say you are shopping and uh, you are talking about with your friend praying Asr, it's Maghrib about to set in. So you are not allowed just to continue shopping and miss out the Asr prayer because you are in the shopping center. That's not an excuse. You can take time, make wudu and pray. Or you can go home, pray, then come back and so on. You are not allowed to uh, miss out such a prayer just because you are busy doing such a thing. Allah Ta'ala said, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ الْوَيْلِ meaning severe torture. Allah threatened them with a severe torture if they were to defer the prayer until its time is over. Or if you are watching a footy game, now some people get very dragged to watching footy games and they are watching that footy game and they say, I'll pray during the halftime break. 
But during the half-time break, the time of the prayer is already over. That's a major sin. Also for one, not to pay the due zakah in its due time. That's as well a sin. So if, let us say, one zakah is due in Rajab, Rajab, after Rajab comes the month of Sha'ban and then Ramadan. One cannot just defer paying that due zakah till Ramadan without an excuse. He is not allowed to do so. Also amongst the sins of the body is to hunt with something that kills the animal by its weight, such as a stone that is uh, forbidden. We cannot kill an animal even for the purpose of hunting if it's an edible animal, let us say deer or for instance uh, a bird using something that kills by its weight like what? Like a stone. So if let us say you see an edible animal and you are on top of the rock and you throw that rock on it or on a bird it kills by its weight that is haram and it's not halal to eat the animal so the action is haram and the animal wouldn't be classified as edible as well some people like in the past used to hunt with the slingshot you know the slingshot and they put these stones in it what we can eat when hunting is the animal that gets killed by a sharp tool. It has to be a sharp tool, such as an arrow. In the past, they used to hunt with the arrow. So they used a bow and arrow and they hit the target, uh, the edible animal. So even because they cannot grab it, they cannot hold it, Imagine chasing a rabbit, for instance. So it's very difficult. So how do you hunt uh, with something sharp? With something sharp, such as an arrow. Now the bullets now they use, the normal bullets. You know, the tip of it is blunt. That is not halal in that way as well. If it is sharp, because some bullets are sharp, then it can be used as an arrow in that case. The Prophet said in the hadith, if you were to throw an arrow at a prey, for instance, to hunt it, then the arrow penetrates its body. Then it falls into water. Then you find it dead in water. And you become confused unsure whether it died first with the arrow or it died later drowning you are not allowed to eat it you are not allowed to eat it the prophet even mentioned that if the arrow as it's traveling in air after you shoot it at a prey if for instance it kills the prey from the tip part of it, that's the head of the arrow, the sharp tip, then you can eat it. But if for a reason, in a windy day or whatever, the arrow became like it hits the prey, 
by its weeds and it kills it, it's not halal to eat it. So it has to be from the sharp edge of it as the Prophet said. Also amongst the sins of the body, to use an animal as a shooting target, that is also forbidden. To take it as a shooting target, that is haram as well. So some people go for hunting, not for the purpose of hunting something to eat or to feed the poor and the like. Rather they would put an animal or they just enjoy shooting and they take it as a target only. They don't eat it. They told me they go some places here where they shoot them and they leave them in the bush. So just for fun of killing, they are not allowed to do as such. We'll stop up to here insha'Allah We ask Allah to increase our knowledge and benefit us with the knowledge we have acquired. Ameen. And Allah knows best.